Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. And I am so excited about my guest today. She is a friend of mine, first and foremost, but someone I've been really lucky to have worked alongside for the last few years. Um, And the thing that I really, I wanted to talk, so we're talking to Jess Sutherland. And the thing I wanted to talk to her about when I first thought of chatting with her for this was, you know, she's quite experienced in photo shoots and she's won awards and educates for a massive franchise, um, Rock Ebony. But where the conversation really led with her was how she started and how she got into it and that hairdressing wasn't what she started with and that that was always her dream, but felt a little bit of that pressure from family and you know friends and all these things that that wasn't good enough and that is the really a big thing that I want to break down with this show and show that there's so much more that you can do than what people think of us working in a salon in the mall is all that you do as a hairdresser and there's so much more and we really dove into her beginnings and that she actually worked through multiple salons, which I actually wasn't aware of. I think sometimes once someone becomes a little bit more known in the industry, you associate them with the salon that they're at and think that that's, you know, where they started. And that's actually not the case and kind of showed that sometimes we think that those big salons and those high-end salons are more well-known are unattainable as well. Not just these dreams of being on stage or, you know, we think that those salons are too good for us. And I think to hear from someone like Jess, who is so well known that she felt like that before she applied for the job at Rock Ebony was really interesting to me to hear. So not only will we be talking about her achievements and her awards that she's won and her photo shoots and how she, you know, has developed um, an education curriculum and all these things. But I really enjoyed the conversation of how she began and started and that we all have these fears. I think that we're maybe not good enough for that next step. And it just goes to show that you are, and if you want it, and if you're hungry for it, those goals can be achievable. So pop us in to myself and Jess. And we did have one little technical difficulty. It's hard. I think everybody is working from home right now and the Wi-Fi went a little bit glitchy. 
And it is also allergy season in Melbourne, y'all. So, you know, I've got a little bit of a sniffle and I had to blow my nose and I had a few sneezes. So it's just the raw, authentic hay fever season. So bear with apologies, but well worth listening to Jess. Thanks. Okay. So today I really was going to make a point of not starting okay because that's how I start every episode and I was like don't do that this time and yet here we are I've done it but today I am talking with the one and only Jess Sutherland hello exciting when I thought of this idea you were definitely on the list of people that I wanted to chat with and I think that has so much insight and like wisdom to give and sometimes you know we don't always hear from us like it seems to be a lot of the same people and I was like I just want to have conversations with people that I think you know one deserve to talk and two that have so much to say so I yeah definitely wanted you and I've had the pleasure of working with you for quite a yes. while. Miss yes yes you have uh, thank you so much for asking me to be on here it's you for making a bit confronting, the time. but I like it. <laughs> so I think we'll just dive in. And what I've really enjoyed about this too is that before I do an episode, I get the person and yourself to send me a bio. And it's given me like a very interesting way of learning more about people who are like, you know, my friends. But I'm like, oh, I didn't know that Jess went to graphic design school or, you know, all these things or that I didn't know that you went to three different places during your apprenticeship and all these things. So I'm really enjoying that. I think yeah. there's a backstory that we don't know that I would mm. love to ask you about. So yeah, did you I mean, go I've, to school yeah. for graphic design or how did that kind of happen and then transition into hairdressing? I did. So basically I I mean, I finished high school. I finished year 12. Um, my parents didn't want me to drop out, obviously. And in hindsight, I'm glad. Um, I finished high school, had no idea what I was going to do. I did want to do hairdressing and I wanted to do hairdressing when I was 16. Oh, really? But again, yeah, my parents absolutely not. Um, did so not want me to do it at all. Which is exactly so, why I also want to yeah. have these conversations because that's what I had said in the beginning. Like, there's this stigma around hairdressing and being like, oh, you're going to be yeah. a hairdresser. And it's like, look at what yeah. you're doing. Look at what we're able to do if you're aware and have the desire to want to do more. And it's just so not seen like that at a consumer maybe level that they think you're just working in yeah. a shopping center at doing hair. And there's yeah. so much more. And that's exactly why you're the perfect candidate, you know, to have this. So that's amazing. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So, so my hair parents didn't want me to do it at all. Um, and I mean, I think in Australia it has quite a big stigma against hairdressing. Um, so I didn't do it. I worked in retail. I switched retail jobs to the point that my grandmother still says to me, do you think you're going to stay at this job? <laughs> um, that's the classic granny. My granny but... <laughs> used to be like, but what are you going to do after this? <laughs> what yeah, do you mean yeah, after exactly this? Right. This is this. This exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I basically was working in retail, hating it. Um, I got a job in an office, absolutely hated that even more. So I went back to retail and I started um, doing graphic design because ideally I would have been an artist. So like that's yeah. what I like doing the most. But 
you don't make money off that until you're dead. So I, um, <laughs> I decided to do graphic design, which when I started it, I thought it was going to be awesome. Yeah. And a few months in, I realized that everything in graphic design was computer-based these days. And you don't actually really do much art. It's more art by clicking buttons and Mm. doing things on the computer. It's not hand drawing anything. Um, So I dropped out of that. And And were you in college for that or like you? Yeah. So I I worked all day, um, like a nine to five job in an office. And then I would work and do it as night school. So it was still TAFE um, and it was a cert four or something like that. But um oh no sorry it was a diploma um but yeah I dropped after out of that after six months ended up with like a you know twelve thousand dollar hex debt for six months (laughs) so it wasn't really a great life choice but I suppose it taught me what I didn't want to do so totally not too bad and then how Um, did you end up in hairdressing from there so basically I went back to retail again hating it And I was working, I ended up working at a party shop, which um, was kind of fun for retail as far as it goes, but I had to blow up balloons every single day and I become really allergic to latex and I was getting like rashes and my fingers were bleeding. And then finally I worked out that I was allergic to latex and I had to quit this job. And I was like, oh my God, all right, well, it's probably about time that I do something that I'm going to do. So I just thought I'm going to, I'm going to do hairdressing and I applied for pretty much any hairdressing job that I could get because I was, you know, 19 and a half, 20 and paying rent and I had to have a job. So I, um, yeah, I just applied for any job that would give me the job and for everybody that gave me a call back, like I just said, yes, yes, yes. And I finally got a call back from a salon in Hawthorne, which I was living in Ringwood at the time, which is a big drive. Yeah. At the time, I didn't know what you could do in hairdressing. Like I didn't realise it could be anything bigger than a job at, you know, this, the local shopping centre. That's exactly centre. So I, I think just, that's how we all go into yeah, it. Yeah, I had no idea. So I just took whatever job, it, like in anyone that would give me a job. And yeah. there, was, there was a lot of salons that didn't call me back, like a lot of salons that I did trials for or that I went to and no, like never heard from them again. Interesting. And um, what were you and- doing? Do- was this for like an apprenticeship or what were you yeah. going in to do? Because it's very different. So obviously yeah. I'm Australian. Um, here in Canada, it's quite different. And you go to hair school and you like get a diploma, like, you know, do yeah. a, a full program, kind of like a tape, I guess. Whereas yeah. here you kind of get hired. And I, I think you can do that in Canada too. I just wasn't as aware of it here. You get yeah. hired. So you would have been applying saying, I'm looking to start an apprenticeship. Yeah. So here I, you have to get a job first. Yeah. So you have to get a job um, and then survive three months of the job. And then they will sign you up to do an ah, apprenticeship. So to cool. do your training. Um, so most people don't really do it as a course here. Some people do, um, but to do it as a course, um, it costs a lot of money. And most of the time people don't want to hire you because you come out technically qualified, but with a lot less experience. Yeah, I totally agree. I completely agree. Few people. Yeah. There's very few people that I know. There are some, there are definitely some people that have come out and done amazing, but there's very few people that I know that have actually um, not had to take a step back and start again. Yeah. That way. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So I got the job. I basically got offered the job, but only on the condition that I started the next day. So I couldn't give my job that I hadn't even told that I was planning on resigning any more than about an hour's notice that I was quitting. The balloon allergy place? Yeah. The (laughs) the balloon allergy place. (laughs) Look at me again. I gotta go. Yeah, exactly. I just said, um, so I decided to be a hairdresser and they said I have to start tomorrow. So unfortunately, when I leave in an hour, you won't see me again. But that was the end of the job. I hadn't told my parents or anything that I've even applied for these jobs. So I literally got home from work that day and rang my mom and was like, so I've decided I'm going to be a hairdresser and I've quit my job and I start tomorrow. So yeah, and I'm probably going to need a thousand bucks to start the schooling as well. So. (laughs) (laughs) And how did that go over? What was the. Um, It was at the time I copped a lot for it from everybody, not just my parents, from everybody that I spoke to was like, really? You're better than that. What a cop out. Like that's all I copped. But I think it was kind of, that was the fuel in me to make me want to prove everyone wrong. I always have wanted to do that. Like I've always wanted to prove my parents wrong. And I've always wanted to excel. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the best at doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, at that point in my life, I'd never really been the best at anything. So except for maybe coloring competitions, that was what I was really good at. <laughs> I <laughs> from think the that newspaper. you are not aware how similar <laughs> we are. I won <laughs> coloring competitions and I always say this about myself. I'm like, I never had anything that I was good at. Like I played soccer. Yeah. I played the clarinet and I tried the yeah. drums and guitar and like I tried yeah. everything and my best friend, Carissa is so artistic and she's the best drawer and we'd be in class together and yeah. mine would look like shit and hers would be so good. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, all I want to do is be good at it. And it's the same yeah. thing. And you don't, you're not good yeah. at maybe anything. There's those people who yeah. naturally have that. And I never yeah. did until this and same for you. It's so interesting. Yeah. I was always okay at things and I yeah. was, you know, I'm quite good at drawing and I'm quite good at coloring and you know, I was, I was mediocre or a bit better yeah. than average on a lot of things, but I wasn't like first place winner on anything. And now um, look at you. <laughs> yes. Well, so I started hairdressing and to be honest, the first job that I had, I really, it was really hard. It was, it was a really hard position for me to be in because I was older than everybody else, um, mm. except for maybe one girl that worked at the salon. But like I in your was same the level? bottom rank. No, nobody. So at the salon that I started at, it was a it was a small salon. Um, they had about five or six hairdressers or something. So there was sort of the boss, the manager, one other senior, and then a first year, second year, and a third year apprentice. Okay. So they were very old school in the way that they ran their salon. Um, and yeah, there was a very strict list of jobs that each level had to do every day. And the first year apprentice was basically the shit kicker. Like mm-hmm. that's all they did. They cleaned every day, like Monday you cleaned the brushes and you know, the bases of the chairs and Tuesday you cleaned all the skirting boards and Wednesday you folded foil. But like, there was a lot of jobs. And you did the same jobs every single day. Um, And you had such a strict routine of everything that you had to do. You know, you had to do the shampoos 
you had to remember every client's name. You had to remember what products and what tools that hairdresser used on that client and have it sitting there by the time that client was back in the chair. Yeah. If, if that client wasn't there in the chair, like you were dead, like that was it. You were done. Like, so, and I mean, at the time I used to go home and cry almost every night, but now I'm really happy that I did have an apprenticeship like that because, and I mean, I, I only stayed there for, from December till about the start of August. So only for the very first bit of my first year, but um, it was a really good base to learn from um, as hard as it was. (laughs) Um, But my reason for leaving there wasn't because it was hard. I mean, every day that I did on that, I I knew that I had a three-year apprenticeship that I was doing and I knew like every day I'd go home falling apart, I would be like, okay, got three years that's one less day that I've got to go like every day I'd be like one one less day one less day that's one more day I don't have to do this anymore yeah um yeah but the reason I left was more because of the competition side of things and when I, I started going to trade school which I went to Box Hill Institute which was amazing um, and so you I, were doing that because you were in an apprenticeship. So the, you, you yeah. do part of it at a salon and then you have to do part of it at um, something yeah. like that. So, yeah. So you work four days a week in the salon and one day a week you go to tape, okay. which that was my favorite day of the week. Like I absolutely love tape. Um, I got through it really quickly. Like in, I think it was 13 months or something. I did the whole, my whole apprenticeship. Um, I had to work out the three years because my boss didn't want to sign me off. Oh, no. Sorry. (laughs) It's allergy season. (laughs) Hey, Fima. He's here. (laughs) That's okay. Keep it. (laughs) Um, So does the salon pick what TAFE you go to? Like, is there different options um, or like how does that happen where you end up? Some do, um, mo- some salons say, and they're affiliated with a certain school. So you have to go there. Um, my salons that I was at being a small salon didn't really care. Okay. Um, I picked Box Hill because it was closer to my house. And is that the Aveda one that you, that I have? Yeah. You? Okay, cool. Yeah. It was, it's not the Aveda Institute anymore. I don't think, but back then it was Aveda. Cool. Um, which I absolutely loved that day of the week. Like as I started getting toward the end of my apprenticeship, I started like purposely messing up assessments. So I didn't have to go back to working in the salon five days a week. And why do you think that <laughs> you didn't like favorite. the salon as much? Like what made you like? Because I didn't do any hair. Um, in, the, in the salon, I was a cleaner. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah. you know, I, all I did was make coffee and clean. So when I was at TAFE and I was good at what I was doing and they, you know, moved me along so quickly that I actually felt like a hairdresser. Yeah. So that's why I love TAFE and yeah, everybody. Because you actually got to do what you were wanting to do. You're not doing towels and shampoos. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, not even towels and shampoos. Like a lot of the time I didn't even do the towels and shampoos. I was a cleaner. Yeah. (laughs) I was a cleaner too. Scrubbing. I was literally (laughs) housekeeping. Like not even an assistant or an apprentice. Housekeeping. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite memory, well, my least favorite, but my funniest memory is 
mopping the floors on a Saturday. And I remember all the seniors, everybody except for the lowest rank had to mop the floor of the salon while everybody else sat on their chairs with their feet on their chair. Uh, and, and they mop, would watch you. Them. Yeah, but mop to the grain of the wood. And if you slightly went off the grain of the wood where like on the black smear, it would leave a smear, they'd be like, nope, start again. And they'd just sit there and watch until you were done. And all your phones had to go in the front desk and you couldn't tell anyone that, you know, you were running two hours late from work. So you just had to keep on going, keep on That's going so until funny. it was done. You're so right about that, that your so, phone. Now it's like we're allowed to have our phones on the floor most of the time, I think. Well, maybe not, but yeah. I do because I'm doing before and afters or you're filming or, you know, yeah. social media has come into place. But you're so right. When we started, yeah. you weren't allowed your phone. No and that's phones. exactly right. You're running late. My dad yeah. used to wait, you know, outside at the front for the same thing and yeah. have no idea where you are because yeah. you're still – I remember. It's so funny. Yeah. I forgot all this stuff. We yeah. used to have, I used to hate cleaning the shampoo out of the shampoo <laughs> holder in between yeah. the basin. And I knew if yeah. the manager came around, I'd be like, oh, make sure that that's wiped because that takes so long. Yeah. And then that's going to, and know. you get stuck. You can't leave until it's done. Whereas now I feel yeah. like nine o'clock out the door. Like that is not what it Absolutely. was like. No, not at all. It was, you wait until the boss has decided he's going to stop taking clients and you yeah, there was no end time. And put your hands behind your back and you just stand and watch and look like you're admiring what he's doing until he's done. Like that's look what you like do. I care about that ugly hair that you've been doing <laughs> exactly. since 1965. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, the reason I left that salon was mainly because obviously at school I was doing so well and um, I got asked to do, and this kind of glides into how I started doing competitions. Love it. I didn't know, com- didn't know competitions was even a thing until this time, but there was a big competition on at Box Hill called World Skills. Okay. And I, I don't know, I can't remember a lot of details about it, to be honest. I, I don't know how often it run, but it was like something where it would run in a lot of different countries. And they picked people from all the different hairdressing schools, like one or two people, um, and they all competed. And um, whoever won for Australia on that day then had to compete against the rest of the world's winners. Oh, my God. Um, cool. And that was yeah, through taste. Was, yeah, yeah, that was through Box Hill. I think it was, I don't know if all hairdressing tapes did it or whether it was just like public ones or I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but my teacher had asked me to do this competition and I'd never done any hair on real live people before. Oh, really? I don't think I'd actually, I'd never done a haircut. Like I'd never done a haircut on, I don't even think a mannequin aside from cutting, you know, my brother and his friends and everybody's hair at home. But like, not, yeah. I hadn't done any hair cutting training or color, like I hadn't done anything. So I... I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. She was like, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. And when someone's giving you that confidence too, you're like, I can't say no. She thinks I'm good enough. Like I got to do it. Absolutely. And I was like, of course I'm going to do it. Like, why wouldn't I do it? Even if I make the biggest mistake of my life doing this, like who cares? Um, And yeah, I, I took this back to my salon that I was working at at the time. And I was like, I just need to be taught I needed to be taught how to basically cut a straight line and I needed to be taught how to do scissor over comb because one of the categories for the competition was that you had to do scissor over comb from skin. So you basically had to do a skin fade from scissor over comb, which I've never, never done scissor over comb in my life. 
<laughs> no, never. But I was like, I can do this. So um, I took this back to the salon and when I said that I wanted to do it, they and could you teach me, I'll do it in my own time. And they pretty much said no and said, uh. we don't want you. But I were like, mm, we'd really just rather you be the cleaner. <laughs> so I was like, okay. That Gotta go. Was Yeah. So, I, I mean, they did teach me here and there like, maybe one day after work, I think they could see how disappointed I was. And they were like, all right, fine. Yeah. We'll teach you one day and sort of did that. But yeah, I basically got told that I only got asked because I was a brown noser rather than <laughs> being good. So that was when I was like, right, I got to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I moved salons not long after that. I entered the competition. I did terribly. I did my first haircut on a man and a woman in that competition like I didn't oh even practice this on a person before it was my first person on that day did I they know that mate. did the people know that yeah yeah they knew <laughs> everybody like they were my friends and oh my god yeah they it. they didn't care I had to do a color a women's cut a man's cut and this hair up that was like a ridiculous it was almost like a flower arrangement in hair it was actually really cool um and there was another girl that works at one of the other salons who's doing really well in her career, Alex, she works at Joey Scandizo now. And we were both in this competition. She was a lot more ahead in their apprenticeship than me, but. So it wasn't like, yeah. it was different levels. Like some people had experience and you just kind of, your yeah. teacher asked you to do it and you had no experience. So it's not like you no. were with so, people who had all never cut before. No, 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 no. <laughs> Everybody else had experience. Oh I was by God. far the least experienced in that competition. That is so By cool. far. <laughs> I'm not really sure why my teacher believed in me that much, but yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't awful. My men's haircut loved his haircut and I continued cutting his haircut after that. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that's how, that kind of answers the question of why I left my first salon and also yeah, how I got into competitions. Because <laughs> you don't know that that exists until you're exposed to it. And then you're in no. a place that isn't participating in that and isn't at that level. And you're like, well, this is just not going to yeah. be for me. If that's what I need to be doing, I need to be with the best. Yeah. And I, I, you know, after that, I saw the competitions and saw how fun it was and was like, I can get paid to do this. What? Like, yeah amazing this is basically art school with a salary even if it isn't that much at this time so yeah um yeah it was it was fun and it fueled me to want to keep doing that stuff rather than being you know the salon cleaner <laughs> yeah and then how yeah. now you work at rock ebony which is a massive franchise yeah. franchise would be the word yes um, yes yes here uh, it's not a in- franchise it's all owned but yeah, family, people, so family run, which is where Massive I business. started my career yeah. in Melbourne and yes. moving to Australia. It was like, that was when I was looking up where I was going to apply from overseas. And I also had Australian friends while I was in Canada and being like, where should I be looking for jobs? Like this, you know, I want to apply before I move and this and that. And Rock Ebony was this constant name that kept getting brought up. And that's where you are. And yeah, yeah, so maybe how did yeah. you end up there and how long have you been there and what, what's your role? Okay, and- well, how did I end up there? Um, so after I left this salon, um, the, the first salon that I started at, um, I went to another salon and to be honest, I never actually really applied for a job. I never applied for a, another job after that. It was just like, oh, I have to leave. And one of the girls that I went to school with, 
I was hanging out with her after work one day and we stopped in at the salon that she worked at and I spoke to her boss and her boss was cool and was like, do you want a job? Like, yeah, of course, like come work here. So I was like, okay, great. And it was in Templestowe, um, which again was, it was closer to my house and that's kind of the excuse I used to leave my job before that. But um, yeah, so I went and worked there and it was awesome. Um, it was, it was completely different to the salon that I worked at first. And I, I think they were really stoked to have me there because I was so used to cleaning, you know, she gave me a few jobs to do for the day and I'd had them done within 15 minutes. And she's yeah. Like, Cause you're used to oh, having so much more. What? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, uh, but this was pretty much a one man show. Like the only senior that I worked with was the boss and um, there was me and a few other apprentices, but the other apprentices kind of come and go all the time. Um, nobody really lasted longer than three months. So I was pretty much consistently the only interesting employee for the whole three years. And I stayed there for my whole apprenticeship and qualified oh, okay. there. Um, but because it was only a one man show, I had clients by that Christmas. I was pretty much fully booked um, so doing blow waves and every haircut and color that I did. was on a so like my first foils was because a girl resigned and didn't show up to work and there was clients booked in and they went, how do you think you'll go with foils? I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, all right, off you go. You'll be fine. Surely. Like, and was it fine? Color. I whacked them in. Look, the client paid and had no idea that she was a test dummy, but now I'd probably die. Yeah. If I- <laughs> But it's having that ambition that sets people apart as well. Like a lot of people would never do it. And I think that's a bit me being like, oh my God, no, I can't do it if I'm not going to do it 100%. Whereas other people will dive in and that's how you learn. (laughs) It absolutely is. And like, it's my mother's pet peeve how much I am just like, yeah, she'll be fine. Like it'll work out. What's the worst that can happen? Like people are dying overseas. I'm sure, you know, even if your foils are awful nobody's gonna die it's not gonna be the end of the world we'll be like oh that didn't work out so well and continue on and now I can say that's probably not the best idea but again in my whole hairdressing I don't think I've ever had a real disaster that was like a life-changing issue you know yeah um so basically from then on like three months in I just started building a clientele every haircut that I would do I would look at the photo and be like Mm, yeah looks like a bit of this and a bit of that and just wing it and you can cut a bob yeah sure bang 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 like everything oh, that wow. I did was winging it for my whole apprenticeship and all of my trade school because I was doing that I took all of my exams for trade school there was a way that you could do it that if your boss thought that you were competent in that um in what you were doing you, you could ahead. just go ahead and take the exam. And if you pass first go, you were signed off. So I did my whole cutting in one day and got it all signed off and passed everything like with over 98% or whatever and bang, 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 you're a cutter in one day. So yeah, I mean, I could cut and I could pretty confidently look at any picture and be like, yeah, I'll give that a crack. Like there wasn't anything that I wouldn't give a go. Um, But then by the time I qualified, you know, I had to, go to another salon and try and explain what I was doing. I remember when I was doing my technical trials for rock ebony and they'd say, okay, explain what you were doing. And I was like, I don't know. 
I just pulling like that hair out. And I just do it. it yeah, like it mm. just—it looks like it should go there, so that's where I cut it. Like I—I I had no technical knowledge really whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so that was quite difficult, but yeah. So the the way I ended up at Rock Ebony was I left that that salon um probably a month or two after I qualified in my apprenticeship. I just didn't and was think that, that like a was... bit frowned upon? Were they like quite upset, kind of like, oh, you've used us for your um, apprenticeship and gone, or it was kind of understood that that's what. I think so. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really want to speak badly yeah, about anybody, yeah. but I um, leaving there was probably more for my own personal growth. Um, to be honest, like I, yeah, it, it was a tough one. It was like, I just didn't, after three years, I felt like I was done. Yeah. That's um, a long time somewhere I, too. Like, yeah. And you shouldn't feel like that when you've, you know, just finish finished an apprenticeship it should be the start of your career but I think because I'd been doing clients for three years it was really like I was a senior for three years like I didn't yeah. in that three years I wasn't doing anything as if I was an apprentice yeah um so you know everybody cleaned and well there was two of us so yeah. we cleaned together we did everything together so it wasn't really it was basically like I just worked there for three years and then to um, get a job so, at a place like a rock ebony like I'm familiar with the application process, but people might not be that you go, you send your CV kind of, or your Instagram or something, and then you have to go and do, I think that's something that people don't get maybe who aren't in the hair industry. They're like, oh, like, how do you apply for a job? And it's like, you apply the same way everybody else does, but you have to actually do models and they give you exactly what you said, like explain what you're doing. And then this is, so that that was quite challenging for you kind of having to explain it. Yeah. So I had another job in there for a couple of months in between, because I just kind of, I went and worked for myself um, or on my own for about three months in between um, at a salon that was a tanning studio. Um, And they just had like a section that they decided to do hair because solariums were getting banned. So they were like, what are we going to do? They thought they were going to start hairdressing. And I worked there for a few months. My clients, a lot of my clients followed me. Um, Not because I personally took all their phone numbers and rang them, but with social media these days, you can kind of find anybody. Um, And yeah, I worked there for a while and I was again, a bit like, Oh, this is a bit boring, but you know, it was all right. It seemed like I had some career prospects and to work somewhere like Rock Ebony, like I had heard it. And I remember at my old salon, we used to sit on the computer and like look up all the photos of all their work and their new salon. And one of the girls that I ended up coming and working at Rock Ebony with, um, she, we used to sit and Google it on our computer in um, the salon that was in Kew and Templestowe. And and just be like, wow, how amazing would it be to work there? But like, See, it and that's just exactly why I want to have these conversations because yeah. even somewhere like that, never mind getting into education and photo shoots, working at the big salon can seem very daunting. And that's yeah. where I started in Canada was this big, massive, like, oh my God, yeah. you work at Donato's? Like, it was just yeah. this thing and it feels like you can't get in. And that's why I wanted, yeah, nah. interesting that 100%. you've gone from other places and felt like that yeah. and got in at rock and did it. So. Absolutely. I, it was just, it never seemed like it was somewhere where little old me would get a job. You know, yeah. I just never, I was never like I should send my resume in. I never thought uh, I would even try to be honest. And yeah. me back then is a very different person to who I am now. And I wasn't very confident. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, I kind of just didn't even think of it. But um, so when I left this job, obviously the girl that I worked with, who was one of my best friends at the time was like, well, I'm not going to stay if you're not staying. So when yeah. I went to work for myself, she had the balls to apply ah. for Rock Ebony and she, but she was an apprentice still. So she applied for Rock Ebony and got the job. And I was like, shit, like, yeah. that's amazing. Like, I'm so jealous of you. Like, this yeah. is such a great opportunity for you. And I was, I was so proud of her and thought it was the most amazing thing ever. But I was like, my God, that's so cool. Like, I wish I could do that. And um, basically she got nominated for Apprentice of the Year, which when I was at Box Hill TAFE, I didn't mention that before, I won student of the year and apprentice of the year. So apprentice of the year for the hairdressers. And I won student of the year for everybody that goes to Box Hill TAFE. So oh my God, amazing. out of any um, trade, I was on the front cover of their book for that year. That was pretty funny. Wow. Um, <laughs> anyway. So when I went to, I went to support um, the other girl that I was working with um, as like her guest for, you know, being a finalist for apprentice of the year. Um, obviously her boss from Rock Ebony went and Ah. maybe she did it on purpose. Maybe not. I I don't know, but we got sat next to each other, which was Joe who now runs Malvern Rock Ebony. Um, we got sat next to each other at, at the table in this like formal dining room. And, um, we were just kind of sitting there and I just sat there quietly because again, at that time I didn't really say anything unless I was spoken to. And um, he looked at me and he said, what do you do? At the time I had like my head pretty much shaved from here down and a mohawk and it was pretty damn obvious that I was a hairdresser. Um, And I said, oh, I'm I'm a hairdresser. And all the teachers from my TAFE were sitting on that table as well with me. And they just started up being like, oh my God, you should hire her. She's amazing. She won Uh. this award. She took this out. Like you should hire her. You absolutely need to have her. Like they, you know, really backed me. And I was just like (laughs) dying. Oh my God. Yeah. When you're like nervous and when um, you're still at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember he just looked at me and he went, you know, and you would know in the way that he does, looked at me and said, you want a job? You call me. And I was like, okay. Okay. And I like didn't really say anything else about it. And he kind of disappeared that night. And I, I didn't really get to speak to him at all. And um, that night I went home and didn't sleep for the whole night. Like I literally set my alarm, but I didn't even need to because my eyeballs were like all night waiting to hit 9am. And at 9am, I think I called him like five times over and over again, like, like not knowing that his salon opened at 9.45. Like I was just constantly, constantly calling. And um. Yeah, I rang him and was like, I want a job. Oh, by the way, it's the girl you spoke to last night. And, oh, my um, God, good yeah. on Yeah, like that. I was like, this is my only opportunity on something that I never thought I'd ever have the chance to. Like I was a girl in Ringwood who didn't have a lot of money and, you know, hadn't come from a place that that would ever be an opportunity to work in Turak. Like, yeah, absolutely not. So, yeah, he said, come in for your interview. Um, and... I came in for an interview. I left work on a Saturday and drove to Turak, which I'd never, ever been to Turak before. Like I was driving my little Toyota Echo through the streets being like, my God, I can't park my car here. Like I'm going to dirty these streets. Like I can't. I was like, <gasps> as I was driving down the street 
and got there and took my folio of my work that I'd done all my Instagram photos printed out in a plastic pocket folder and had my interview and yeah, he kind of got to the end of the interview and was, I always tell everybody this because it's, it's so funny, especially if you know him, like flipping the pages of my, my folio and being like, did you do this? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about this? Did you do this? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's in my folio. Telling it to you if I didn't do it. I had no idea. Like, of course it would be, you know, in my folio. I had no idea whether he thought it was good or bad. And, I, and then he just shut the book and went, and stopped silent for like what felt like an hour but I reckon it was about five minutes and then he went all right what you're gonna do is you're gonna get 12 models by Monday and you're gonna go to South Melbourne here's 12 photos and you need to recreate these these 12 photos on 12 models it's very intimidating isn't it very daunting yeah the the process to get a job there now isn't um as tough they're actually a lot nice not not nicer but a lot more warming to everybody coming in I think maybe it was just my perspective of what it was but I feel like I was really um put through put it. to the test yeah um which again was it was a good thing but yeah so I had to do like different types of color I had to do like creative color I had to do natural foils so like, you weren't just um, doing something for cutting because now you specialize in no cutting. no no yeah, now I'm only a cutter, um, but that was my choice. I I always didn't like colour. Numbers are not my thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm a bit of a control freak, so I don't like the fact that with colour, sometimes you can do absolutely everything right and, and it, it just doesn't, doesn't work. happen. And you, and you look like a dick and it's not even your fault. And it's like, it's, you know, there's so many contributing factors with colour. But with cutting... It is all me and I can't make any other excuses for a mistake other than yeah. me. So I feel like I've got a lot more control over what it's I'm doing. It's funny how people gravitate to such different things. Like for me, I love yeah. color and that's what I love and you love cutting. And, yeah. and now yeah. you, um, I don't know what the word is, like brand yourself as a short hair and men's specialist. Like, is that what you yeah. enjoy doing the most? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, well, once I, I got the job at Rock Ebony, um, obviously after my technical trial, <laughs> I Your think I models. left my, yeah, after my 12 models, I got a phone call um, like a few days later and I was mid a uh, full head of foils and I literally just stopped foiling, grabbed my phone and ran down Burke Street in Campbell to answer my phone. Came back and was like, I got the job, by the way, I quit. Like, it was amazing. <laughs> um, anyway, so I started that job and I, I was doing both, cutting and color when I started at Rock Ebony. Okay. Um, I started as a stylist and I did both and did a lot of training. So I, I worked, I was working six days a week because I was doing training for blow waving on Mondays, uh, cutting on Tuesdays and color on Wednesdays or. So you were going through their training like program, even though you're qualified, yeah, so even though, yeah, you still have I to was go qualified, through training but program. Um, yes. And I went through it real, like I did that for a year. Um, so one day a week I worked in my own time that I didn't get paid for. And then the other two days a week I got paid for, but I, I basically did my entire apprenticeship again, which yeah. I wanted to do. I had no issues with that at all. Firstly, yeah. I was like, you're going you're gonna to pay me to go to school again. That was the best time of my life. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
I, I love going to training and I would do it in my own time any day of the week um, yeah. at my old salon when I needed to do training or anything. I had to pay for it myself and I had to do it in my own time. Yeah, so the fact yeah. that I was going to get it for free and do it in work hours, I was like, this is the best news of my life. Um, yeah, so I, I trained for everything and, um, I got to the point where I was going to get promoted to a principal colorist and I was like, but I hate color. Uh. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a principal colorist. I want to be a principal stylist. I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to be a colorist. And Joe was like, well, what are you doing all this color training for? I was like, I don't know, because I thought I had to. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, yeah, he was like, well, we're not going to waste any more time doing this then. And then that day he just took all, started taking all the colors out of my Well, that is enough of that. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. No, but I replaced them with cuts, obviously. Yeah. um, And I started directing my clients that I bought with me to the salon um, to other people. And, yeah, just filled up my time with cutting. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. I, I do short hair and men's mainly because I like it the most. Yeah. Um, I like it the most because I think a lot of people can't do it. Um, at the time I had short hair and I had short hair for such a long time that I really understand what it's yes. like to get a really shitty short haircut. Yeah. Um, I used to feel like that with yeah, blondes because yeah. I was always blonde, but I was yeah. like, I know yeah. I do a mean blonde because I know what I would like and not like, like what you have yeah. on yourself a lot of Absolutely. times dictates what you're good at or what you enjoy yeah. doing. Cause you want to make the person who's like you feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So short hair, I think I, I wasn't scared to do it. Um, yeah. when other people, especially at Rock Ebony, I noticed when I, when I started there, everybody, I think because it is such a high standard of work, like I'd come from a place where I'd be like, yeah, I can do that. Let's wing mm. it. Um, whereas, and I came into Rock Ebony with that attitude as well, um, which a lot of people didn't have. A, remember there was one day where one of our clients just decided she was going to, after having a um, keratin straightening treatment for six hours, decided that she wanted a pixie cut. And um, everybody else was like, no, 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 can't do it. Oh, my God, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I was why like, do you think I'll that is it. that so many people don't do short hair? Like, why, why I are they don't afraid to do it? it? I, I don't understand. I think it is, it, I mean, a short haircut is final. Like, once you're done and the hair's gone, you can't undo yeah. it. Like, so you need to be really sure that you aren't going to mess it up. I don't know. I've just always, I think maybe because I'm good at art, I don't know, maybe because I, I know that my hands connect to my eyes. Like I can, I can see what I'm doing and I can just do it. Yeah. Um, and other people don't have that confidence. There's never been a time where I'm, and I don't think it's, I, I think I just trust my hands can do what I'm doing. Like I, I've never had a time where I've been like, oh, I don't know, a bit nervous about this. It's with yeah. cutting. Color, absolutely. Like <laughs> I've, I never really, I was never like, a, I could do color, but I was not passionate about it. So, you know, all the time I'd just be hoping for the best, you know, whack yeah. it on because I like that color. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. I ran behind all the time. I did my worst work. <laughs> Story on of my life. Tired and <laughs> listening to everybody else's conversations. Like I get in the foil and be like, oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. We were foiling. Like I, yeah, it's just not, it's not my thing at all. That's funny. Yeah. 
And when you said um, that you didn't like when say when you're going to do your trial, you're like, I didn't have the technical aspect. I had the visual aspect. Yeah. Where do you feel like that came in that you got the technical stuff through your training through that year at rock, like understanding. Yes. Yeah, sorry. That's the thing that puts me off of cutting now. Like I didn't yeah. understand that technical aspect either. Like I got short push yeah. long or if that's even right. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. But I knew so, things, but I didn't know things yeah. in the way that I knew color. And then as I stuck with color for so long and now being put into cutting, I'm like, I can cut, like I can cut, but I don't understand the technical part. And I'm not like, oh, well, taking weight out here or this or that, I can give you a basic haircut, but there's so much more to cutting that people don't realize like the difference yeah. between yeah. a haircut that's okay. And like, it looks good to the person versus a haircut that you're doing is like next yeah. level because there's so many components in it that people just don't realize. And that's why I'm like, I'm not going to cut now when I can just do this yeah. average haircut, whereas you would do it yeah. and take weight out and texturize and personalize and all this stuff that I would just be cutting a line. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, um, I'm just trying to work out what to say. So I, I got most of my, um, my technical knowledge from, well, that training with rock opening really helped my, the teacher that I had there was awesome. Um, but I still think that I really, Oh, your face is gone. Are you... Hello. 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 Savvy here. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I got my technical knowledge from, well, from Rock Ebony, but I still feel like I sort of breezed over it a bit. Like I, I didn't really, I knew what I was doing. And I feel like as I, as I kept learning, I, I was doing all the things that I needed to do to create certain shapes. And I did that without knowing because I'm a really visual person, but okay. I never knew the reason why that worked or I never knew how to explain it to somebody else what I was doing. Like, I didn't know the degrees of the angles of what makes what from my eye, I could see that this is a layer and this is graduation, but I didn't know the reason why, like I didn't yeah. know what, that it was, you know, 45 degrees here and 90 degrees here and above the yeah. onion. That was stuff that I never learned. I just could fluke it because my eye can see that. And it's yeah. stuff that I'd been doing all this time that I'd worked out being like, oh, okay, if I want my fringe to go this way, I'll pull it this way and cut it that way. And then when I let it go, look what happens. Like that yeah. was, that just was how from I doing. did my, yeah. Um, so when I, I came to Rock Ebony and I was learning all these things, I was getting taught a lot of different ways. And I think I was someone who is quite annoying to teachers as well. I know we did some training with some people from Adelaide. Um, that was like Vidal Sassoon training. And I was the person who was like, but why, but why, but why, but why? Oh, that but is why? me. Colm is like, yeah. do you have to say why to everything? Why. I'm like, but yeah. why? I can't know it yeah. unless I know why. A hundred percent. And that's kind of the way that I'm teaching now. Um, and I think, especially for that Vidal Sassoon training, I think the teacher that I had thought that I was a bit of an idiot to be honest because mm. I kept saying I don't understand can you explain it again I don't understand can you explain it again over and over again and then all of a sudden I could do it 
because you have being to, like, if you just watch it. Did you it actually do this? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, did you do this? Like, really? You did this. Like, yeah. couldn't, couldn't quite understand it. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't like doing things and I don't think that anybody should cut hair. And I'm really passionate these days about making sure that hair cutters don't just cut hair because they've been told this is how you cut a straight line. Like every single thing that you do should have a purpose. And yeah. that's my like main thing that I'm trying to teach. Um, what you kind of today. didn't get taught, <laughs> do you think? Like you're what trying I, to... What I didn't get taught, but things that helped me understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I didn't know any of the technical stuff. And could have um, maybe sped you up had you known that. You would have been so much better yeah. sooner kind of had you known those things earlier. Yeah, definitely. But also like I did things for reasons, not just because I was told to do them. Like I, when I would think about haircuts, I'd be like, okay, well, I remember when I had a short haircut and that bit Mm. behind my ear really used to bunch up and shit me. So when I would cut it, other people's hair, I would make sure that I didn't do that, that I made sure I took weight out of that place, that those things that would annoy me. I didn't know what the technical reason for that was. I didn't know that it was because of, you know, different bones and stuff like that, but I did it because I, that was my reason why, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think combining the way that I learned to cut with the education that I now have, um, yeah. which to be honest, I only really learned a lot of that real technical stuff that actually stuck in my mind. Um, I did the meat and potatoes course last year with um, Little Off the Top yeah. and I did that course. Yes. It was the most amazing. <laughs> so I'm not Loved executing it. anything. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I do it. I'm like, if anybody who gets a haircut, even, you know, a yeah. little man, he is the Victoria's secret fringe. The little triangle. <laughs> and then you do the little triangle and you go back. That's the only amazing. thing I like do. <laughs> so good for you that um, you remembered it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I took that course as, kind of for a different reason that everybody else in the course was there for. But the reason that I took the course was because I wanted to learn how to teach what I was doing because I, education is where I really want to go. Yeah. Um, I kind of got lost a little bit in between there. Like I've been at Rock Me for six and a half years now. So I sort of progressed, you know, through the yeah. steps, stylist to principal stylist to style director. Um, I was an educator for blow waving for a year, which was really challenging. Actually, I thought educating was quite, easy um and yeah i was doing really well different people in your class like you might be able to teach me to blow wave no problem but you can't teach matt to do it like he doesn't get it and then i can't teach you then like it's just it is a lot harder and more frustrating i think than maybe people are. yeah i think i'd i'd had a lot of my confidence in teaching built up when i was in my sort of the first years when I was just in the salon teaching people that were in the salon. And I, I think I got really lucky with the people that I was teaching were very naturally gifted at what they were yeah, doing and made me look really good. For you. Yeah. They made me look so good. <laughs> and um, yeah, when I started teaching blow waving and I was getting, you know, you learn blow waving as your first thing out of doing books in trade school. It's the first time you touch hair. So that was a real like, a real struggle that was the day that I would go home and be exhausted yeah I would go and hide at the little Vietnamese shop at lunchtime in the back corner just so I could have an hour of being like (sighs) (laughs) like (laughs) 
But I think that that's good for people to know who are seeing you and being like, oh, just, you know, as an educator and this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah, to hear you being like, I didn't fully love it in the beginning or, you know, didn't find my thing is quite helpful, I think, to people who think that, yeah, it's something that you just love, you know? (laughs) I mean, that exhausted me so much that I, I had a year off teaching after that. Um, I just thought, no, this is not for me. And then I kind of, because I didn't, know what else I was going to do. That was always the plan. I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, and once I, yeah, once I, once I did that, I didn't know what I was going to do, to be honest. Owning a salon has never been something that I would ever want to do. I don't think, I mean, you know, never say never, that might change, but at this point I couldn't think of anything worse. I was, Um, (laughs) I was, I was saying to my manager the other day, I'm not a team player. Like, I'm just not very good at having other people be responsible for my success. Yeah, and that does, you know, it is at my detriment sometimes because I'm always taking control and don't let anybody else help me do anything. Yeah. But I don't like when other people don't put in as much effort as I have. Mm-hmm. And it, it annoys me. Because it um, is a lot of effort that people don't realize, you know, the, the background time of educating and planning your lesson or your photo shoot and, you know, all the things that go into it behind the scenes is a lot of work that it doesn't just come. And I think people, that was something we talked about before being like, we want to make sure that, you know, we're getting this point across that you have to work for it. And it it is a lot of three hours. And that's something that I still struggle with sometimes being like, why is yeah. it so acceptable in our industry to do so much work for free? Like, yeah. you know, my, who a tradie wouldn't go and do all this free work. Like, why do we do it so much? But it is part yeah. of it. And it is, you do have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do it. I think you kind of have to prove yourself before anyone's going to pay you to do it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately in Australia, hairdressing is seen as like you know the the female job to drop out of school with and not everyone and it shouldn't be that 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 shouldn't be what it is but the vast majority of people think that way yeah um especially in Turak where we work like we have some beautiful clients but as a whole we're really seen as you know the hired help so um yeah a lot of people have no idea the different avenues you can go into and even educating, you know, back when I went to school at Box Hill, it was like, if you were a teacher, it was because you weren't very good at hairdressing. Yes. Whereas, it's like, you know, those who can't yeah. teach, but it's not true. Absolutely. And um, you're whereas at Rock Ebony, that. when I went there, yeah, at, at Rock Ebony, it was the best ones teach. Yeah. And that was really amazing for me. I, I did a course with American crew when I just finished my apprenticeship um, with Phoenix who, you know, so high up in, in American crew now. She's amazing. And I remember going to that course and thinking, that's what I want to do. How that, do I be That's her? where I'm going to be. Yeah. I, when I was, you know, I was nominated for a, a HBA apprenticeship award and they said, you know, where do you see yourself? Like, what's your ultimate goal? And that seemed like my absolute ultimate goal. Yeah. Like that was, 
having that job just seemed like the coolest job in the world. And does it really kind um, of flabbergast you a bit that like now you are in that role kind of like that you yeah. are teaching? So how did you end up getting into teaching from being on the floor? Did they yeah. say, oh, Jess, you're great. Do you want to teach at the academy? Did you ask them like, how did this kind of happen yeah. now that you're teaching? Because you're developing the education program for Rock Ebony right now, correct? Yeah. One of them. Yes. So, so how did you um, go from being like, cutting. Oh, I want to be her. This is my dream to now you are kind of yeah. doing this. Like that's the point of these conversations. So, yeah. So, I mean, everything that I have is because I've, I mean, I, I am lucky in the positions that I've ended up in, but everything that I've gotten, I haven't just been given. Um, you know, when I started at Rock Ebony, we would always have meetings with all the managers and, you know, say where we want to be with set goals. Like it was a constant thing. And then by the next meeting, you had to see what goals you'd gotten to. And okay, well then what's your next goals and next goals. And which is awesome because it's kind of like yeah. school, which I yeah. really, I quite liked. It wasn't just, a, you know, a standard job. Um, and yeah, so after I did the blow waving, I was kind of a bit like, oh God, what am I going to do? I have no idea. Like don't know where I'm going to be. And I was really flat. And then I was, you know, I really put my head down and thought about it. And I was like, you know what? You wanted to be a teacher all this time. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why aren't you doing it? Like, why, why are you getting mixed up on this just because it got a little bit hard? So mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I basically, I could see how many people were coming out of, you know, the training that was happening at the moment. The school that they go to at the moment isn't the same TAFE that I went to and it's, you know, people are coming out a little bit deflated. They're not really understanding what's going on. And I'm so, I love school so much that, that it's bothering I, you. I can't understand it. it. And it, it blows my mind that people would rather fake a sickie and clean than go to school. It, yeah. it blows my mind. So there's so many people, like even when I was teaching blow waving that, oh, you know, my ankle's sore and my cat's, you know, got the flu, so I can't come in. <laughs> Like, and I'd be like, but this is supposed to be the best day of the week. Like, I I don't get it. So that was kind of my push. And I thought, all right, well, I need to teach myself what I need to teach first, which is why I did um, the little off the top course, which was amazing. I learned so much from that class and I'm supposed to be at the top ranking of my salon. Like I'm a style director, so I'm supposed to be the, the high end and I still learned so much from that course. And I think not having an ego is the best thing and the biggest, most important thing in hairdressing is to just everybody can learn something no matter what level you're at. Um, So, yeah, I I loved that course. I came back and brought it to the directors and they, you know, they obviously allowed me to do the course for that time and, um, yeah, put me into it so I could do that. And I came back and worked with the directors to um, set it up for rock ebony we didn't copy that course at all it's actually it's quite different what we do but it was um more for me sometimes it's just also lighting that fire in you it's not so much like what you learned is what you're teaching what you learned and how it's presented how absolutely are done how the structure like there's so many things that as someone who educates when you go to a class you take away something completely different than somebody who doesn't educate at all like when i'm going i'm being like you didn't even introduce yourself. Like, you know, little things like that that I'm like, or you didn't give me uh, just format and things like that, that I think that you would be now implementing into your own structure and by things that you learned from being in a a full course again, re-inspires you, you know? 
I didn't feel like before I did that course that I had the knowledge to be able to take other people's careers into my own hands. Um, now I, I do feel like I can yeah. do that. Um, I mean, I still think, I still feel like I'm at the beginning of my career and I am like compared to there's so many people that have so much more experience than me and, you know, that I look up to and I want to be like now, like absolutely. Um, and yeah, when I, when I hear these people that know my name, like even, even Tom that taught that course, you know, the, he knew who I was like, he was like, Oh yeah, yeah. you're rock Jess, like from rock Ebony. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> So, it's I mean, wild, yeah, isn't it? That like, when we come in, we're, we come into it. this industry with our eyes wide open and we're like, oh my God, I want to be, for me, I went to this show in um, New Orleans and I saw Sonia Dove on stage and I just like, I cried. Yeah. Like I've talked about this before, yeah. but I, I was crying because I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like I just want to do this. Like, and now that we're yeah. getting there and I'm like, talking to people about how they got to the point of what their dream was. Like, I just want everybody to be able yeah. to understand that they it's yeah. doable and it's feasible. And you saw somebody yeah. teaching your men's cutting class and was like, Oh my God, I'd love to be doing that. And now you are doing it because you, yeah. you that's the point. Like you can do it, you know, and we're still yeah. not even at the peak. Like we, we still are so new, like imagine, you know, we get to have this conversation yeah. again. Absolutely. And I know like aside from the, the um, educating side of things, which I'm so happy that I'm finally doing um, like the competition side of things, you know, I, I remember in my interview when I started at Rock Ebony and Joe said, where do you, where do you see yourself? Like where, what's your ultimate goal? And I said, Australian hairdresser of the year. Yeah. And he was like, that's a big call. Like, is that you know what you have to do to get there you know that you have to network you know that you have to do this and to be honest the scariest thing about all of those things in in the industry for me is the networking side of things I don't like okay. going out and talking I'm not a big drinker I'm not a big partier and I think yeah. in a hairdressing industry people that drink and party that's how they get to know each other mm. um a lot of the time like it really helps like as much as... home from her expo at 6 a.m <laughs> exactly right and uh, that's the industry and I mean <laughs> you shouldn't have to do that and you don't have to do that but no. the funny thing is is that that really does help like it really does help. helps so but it can like, hinder you know there's like, a time I'm when I someone. may you know yeah have gone too absolutely far. <laughs> No, um, no, nah, but it, like the scariest part about any of it for me is the fact that I would have to walk up into a room to somebody that I admire and actually have to have a conversation with them. Like, you know, my favorite part about COVID is that I get to wear masks to the supermarket so I don't have to smile or speak to anyone. Like I'm loving it sick. Oh, that's Sorry. so funny. Whereas yeah, I'm that, having the opposite situation and I'm yeah. like, how can I start a talk show so I can talk yeah. to people? <laughs> because exactly. I'm, like, I'm the opposite. I think my gift yeah. is my gab and I'm like, how, yeah. how can I utilize this? And yeah. that's so Whereas funny that, how it's so different yeah. for different people. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that you're doing this because you're having conversations with all the people I would die to talk to, <laughs> but would never, ever build up the courage to do it. So I can just I listen to what you're saying. Thank um, you. And I think uh, like everybody says that when they start at the salon, that they're always terrified of me because I have like this resting bitch face apparently, <laughs> but I'm like, 
I'm really nice. I just don't like talking to people. I'm just like, going to do and that, work though. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was my hardest thing in my apprenticeship. I remember everything I used to like, and even when I started at Rock Ebony, flying colors, everything else was, you know, you're a star employee, but you need to talk to your clients more. You need to talk more. You need to talk more. You need to talk more. That was always yeah, my feedback. Which I think is a, um, a yes and no. Like I think the clients who, I, I remember same thing from yeah. my old salon. There's specific stylists that were really quiet, but those clients like going to those people because yeah. they're the quiet clients. They're the ones who maybe Absolutely. have this in job that they want to go and sit and shush yeah. and you're the perfect person for them. And sometimes people want yeah. to not even have the best hair and chat and they'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely right. If they all day and, and are not in a rush, they'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want a great haircut <laughs> and quiet, they'll go to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the person that walks into a surf shop and if they say, hey, babe, how are you going? What are you doing this weekend? I'm like, out. Oh, like, I, I don't even respond. I just run. Like, I don't shop at, you know, surf, dive and ski or jetty surf or any of those places because they do that. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was going to be really difficult doing all the competitions and stuff. And yeah, we, I'm trying to think where, where we're up to. Well, I would How just like start to doing go before, the you know, we're wrapping. I think we've had good chat about the education yeah. and getting into those things, but you have a major accolade yeah. that we haven't talked about, which is your AHFA <laughs> newcomer of the oh, year. Yeah. That was just so amazing. And I think that that is, it may not be Australian hairdresser of the year, but it's, uh, it's in yeah. that dream and that goal and that category of being like, that's where I want to go getting that is just as much like do, do you think like I know yeah. you're probably still like no I still want to be Australian hairdresser it, of the year but that that's the moment uh, that's the thing and that's the yeah. that's the when we enter and we get into the hair world or you work at a rock ebony and you see them doing shoots and stuff it seems unattainable and here you are yeah. and you've done it and yeah um yeah that was amazing um I mean i I was just saying before, I'm just trying to think how I even got into competitions. I, I don't really even know. Like the, the first salons that I was working at, if I entered competitions, I had to pay to enter. And, you know, they're not cheap. They cost, you know, a minimum of $80 an entry. Um, to enter AHFA is, you know, $300 to enter. Plus the um, cost of the shoot. So back then, plus the cost of the shoot. Yeah. That's just the entry fee. So, I mean, I used to do it anyway um, and save my money when I was at the other salons. But when I came to Rock Ebony, I... Obviously, they fund all of that stuff for people that they think um, deserve to enter. So um, I'd entered once before um, and I didn't didn't place or anything. I I didn't get a a finalist, but I I was really happy with my collection. And to be honest, even that collection has been printed probably more than my winning collection in so many magazines. How cool. Um, And do you enter those into... The mag, like, do you send it to no. whatever magazines printed, so, or how does it end up getting printed? No, so um, the salon sends it to. I can't remember for the life of me what the company is, but there's like a company that the salon, yeah, like an agency that distributes it for a certain amount of time. Um, oh, cool. So, and every time it gets printed, they send you the covers, or they send you the magazine, or they, you know, send oh, you the cool. website. Yeah. Um. So they tell you how long it's running for and what it's, you know, what's going on. Um, but yeah, the, my AHFA collection, I'm just trying to think I, the one that I won, um, 
I was at a time in my life where I was, you know, my personal life was really flat and, you know, I'd just come out of a breakup and it was, I just wasn't myself whatsoever. And I'd, I'd come out of this and my shoot was two weeks afterwards. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to put all of my time and energy into this. Mm. And it was, it was great therapy for me as well. And I remember my, um, one of my, boss's Pina was you know helping me on the day as well and she said to me like babe we're gonna rock this like yeah it's it's gonna be amazing and I had such a good team of people which I think is the most important thing about winning these awards like you can't win these trophies on your own you yeah. cannot like <laughs> the no you can't like the the times that I've done well in these competitions is when the team of people I've had are so strong yeah and I have pretty much hired people to be on my team that are amazing at what they do. And you just have to trust those people to bring it. And I um, think like that's what can deter people and, yeah. from entering, say, you know, your first, your first year on the floor or something, and you're not familiar with the, in the world of shoots that it can be very intimidating being like, Oh my God, I have to dress them and do makeup. And I don't, you don't realize that you get people to do that, I think, or maybe I yeah. didn't, but that is so important that you either. have to have no. this vision of what you want. Yeah. And then you have to find the right people who can bring it to life. And that, I think that's what deters yeah. people from doing it because it seems like too much. Yeah. Like, I don't have, I don't have a vision for wardrobe. I'm not, I have this idea of what I want to do for hair, but I don't really know anything else about it. And yeah. it stops you from doing yeah. it because you think it's too hard or too out of your element yeah. or something. Yeah. And any time that I've done something where I've tried to be responsible for the whole shoot, it's been a flop because yeah. I can barely dress myself, let alone <laughs> people for a magazine and makeup. Like I can do my one face and that's it. Like where I've said to the, you know, whatever it is, even color. Um, and I know for one of my collections, you did the colors and I just said, do what you think because that's your job. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I said before, I'm a control freak and that's really difficult for me, but you've got to have a team behind you that you really trust. And for the the collection that I won, I really did. Like my stylist, I basically said, don't know, you just, you pick what you think. Like, this is my vibe. This is what I'm going with. This is my hair that I'm providing. Yeah. What, what do you think? The, the photographer, the same, um, you know, the colorist was the same for that collection. I didn't really have a, a colorist that I was really close with at that time. So most of the color in that collection, if people notice I shoot in black and white a lot, it's because I haven't really had a colorist that's wanted to do mm. um, that kind of work. Um, a lot of my color in that collection was done with eyeshadow. So it's not actually hair color. It's me with a paintbrush or, you know, we were putting it yeah. on with eyeshadow um, and the, you know, the chalk that makes your hair white or dark yeah. to look like I'd foiled it or to look like that I'd was something that I learned. I have just spoken to Carolyn Gahan, who does a lot of avant-garde yeah. shoots. And she was, yeah. and when I think of her work, I think of colorful and bright and pat, you know, all this stuff. And she loves shooting in black and white for that reason too. Like yeah. that, that's how yeah. she will go shopping for clothes is put her phone on black and white. So, oh yeah. It is how it and shows up. I'm like, I would have never thought of it. It's such a yeah. good point. And you're right. You do the yeah. black and white because that's an element kind of that you can take away a little bit from yeah. Yeah. the effort. 100%. Um, yeah. And what else was I going to say? 
don't know. That's gone. But the um, teams, yeah, like having, having the same, yeah, having the right people. Oh yes, having you. having the team. The the team is the the main thing to have. You know, I've done collections since where my team was a little bit shaky, and um, you know, it's, it's nobody's fault. But if you employ people to do the job that aren't really as passionate as what you are, then you're not going to get a good result. Yeah. Um, I my other collection, which is actually probably my more prouder moment than winning newcomer of the year to be honest like winning newcomer of the year was amazing I love trophies it was the best thing that could have happened to me at that time in my life like it just really showed me that you know what if you just be you and you put all your effort into what's important to you look what you can do and I wasn't doing that before and it was a real yeah, it was it was a game changer for me. But my, and to get the trophy, my... like that's the you know you yeah. have a trophy. To like trophy. we, I was that's told I'm I being a hairdresser was shit, and now look, I have a trophy, and I got to give a speech. Like I won a Grammy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Like people say to me, why do you do all this work in your spare time? And like all these competitions, like they cost the companies thousands of dollars, like yeah. thousands and thousands. Like to have a photographer mm-hmm. for the day at the level of the photographer that they have costs thousands of dollars without them it would not be possible for me to do this I just could not afford it no matter yeah. how good I am yeah. um but people say to me why do you do this and I was like because I love, like trophies like yeah that's the reason it actually is the reason I like that that's the reason um yeah. but yeah my most proud moment of my career has actually been getting finalist for um the hair expo master cutter of the year and I didn't win that category I didn't expect to win because I was you know it was my first year ever entering hair expo yeah. um and the caliber of people that I was it's up against stiff competition was, in that. it was unreal like I could not believe that I made the top six in Australia and New Zealand amongst people that were my absolute idols, like Lyndall Salmon and Jules Tognini and Dimitri Pappas. Like, I think he won that year. But all of these people are so established. Like, I was by far the least experienced in that category. And the fact that I didn't come out with a trophy, like, all I got was the piece of paper that was in my chocolate bar to say I was a finalist. But that was the yeah. best mo- like part of my career because like, you're being put in the caliber of people board. that yeah. was what you what who Absolutely. made you want to do this and the people that you want to be like yeah. and the people that the reason I'm talking to these people on the calls is because I want to make it attainable and that you know these people are not Absolutely. these celebrities it's doable and you got into the category with the people that you are trying yeah. to be is that's why it's the yeah. moment for you, whether you won or not, because you yeah. hit the goal of being in that circle Absolutely. of doing it. And it's just, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So that was, that's the win for me. Like people kept coming up and saying, oh, you know, better luck next time to be on that. And I was like, I won. Like all I wanted in my whole career was to say that I could be alongside those people. And I got yeah. there. So, I mean, hair expo is not a thing anymore. Um, it's apparently being discontinued, um, which is devastating. My social event of the year. I know. It's, it's so devastating. And I only got to go. I said that I would be able to justify how much it costs to go to something like this if I got into the finals. That was always my 
thing yeah. and I did in its final year. So like I've, I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with that. Um, obviously, you know, everyone says you should strive for more. You should strive to be the winner. But honestly, being a finalist was my win. So, um, yeah, I'm just sad that other people aren't going to be able to experience that now yeah. that that's gone. But I reckon another thing that's really great know? about this industry is the fact that, you know, through lockdown and through everything, all these, you're cutting out. So when so we? we just had a little technical difficulty yet again, you know, guys, you know, <laughs> we're hairdressers and I'm just trying to learn to be this microphone person. <laughs> but we were saying that hair expo getting cancelled is such a disappointing thing to think that people yeah. want have that that opportunity or that that career peak moment but i think the thing yeah. that will come out of this um, sh- um yeah sh- like something something else will come from it yeah definitely yeah um that through covid and through all of that happening we came up with these education platforms and aftermath was created and you know we the industry if you're in this industry you love it you know if you're entering the competitions if you're going to the shows if you're wanting to teach it's because you love it and that's what i love the most about this industry is that there's so much more than yeah. being behind the chair if you want there to be. Absolutely. And it's fine for the people who don't and they Absolutely. can be just as good of a hairdresser and just as passionate, but it's a whole different world when you get into what we love doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would do this for free. Like the, yeah. none of the competitions or any of that side of it, aside from behind the chair, like cutting hair, the rest of it I would do in my own time and I do a lot for free in my own time yeah and I love it and I wouldn't change anything about it yeah love it a lot of people don't understand that but yeah I think so too like even I don't know I'll come (laughs) home and I've worked all day and I'm on my phone and I'm watching hair tutorials and Colin's like switch it off like just I can't even do his accent for the life of me but he's like just turn it off like I don't understand how you can just continue to be watching it and I'm like I love it like I can't there's nothing else I would want to be doing than sitting on my phone watching someone put a foil in (laughs) that's what I love yeah that's so I'm yeah it's so important that you have a partner as well that understands that because really it's hard to explain to people that aren't in this industry what you are doing and why you are working for free and why it takes up so much of your spare time Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's it's amazing though wouldn't change a thing love it (laughs) well anything else you feel like on a final note that you you know what's next or no i just wanna what's next for me is pretty much just continuing what we're doing um once you know everything's back to normal and yeah yeah just diving into it again coming back I've I didn't realize how much I would miss photo shoots and everything until it was taken away so I'm really excited to start the new year and you know go as hard as I possibly can at all of this stuff and I think we're Um, also willing to do that too we've had time off that we would never have had any, uh, you know, especially for us. Absolutely. People who have had time off who work from home, 
they're still working. Like I know it's yeah. not great for anybody, but for us working from home, yeah. there's, it's not a thing. Like, and so we, I just want to no. go guns a blazing back in. Like I just, I never want a day off again. Like, yeah. well, I do. I, I would like no. to go home. Me either. I'd like to go home. I've already said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cancel on my annual leave. I'm done. Like that's it. Yeah. I, we just yeah, want to give me a lot of clarity in. in what I want to do. It's been, it's actually, you know, it's been quite good having the time off as, as boring as it may be. It's, it's really made me hungry to, you know, get I where agree. I want to be. And given the time to yeah, do reset and start again. Love it. Well, I think yeah, that reset that and yeah, good conversation Amazing. with you. And I, I really liked dive, like maybe that we didn't even get into so much of the photo shoots and the education, but how you got into it, because I think that that yeah. is the, the main big step that holds people back is yeah. it seems too intimidating. And I think we really dove into, you know, do doing the groundwork and that you didn't yeah. start at rock ebony. You had five years or whatever, you know, before. And I think that that's really important. I yeah. think that that's really valuable information for somebody coming into it. Yeah, definitely. I was trying to think of all the things that you wanted to cover in this and try and make sure I covered them all. But no, I, I it's amazing. That's perfect. It's pretty good. I love it. And that's why I don't like doing too amazing. much prep. Like I just want to have a conversation with yeah. somebody that I would want to be having a conversation with anyway, and then see where it goes. Yeah. And it, you know, we'll touch back. Yeah. And this podcast is amazing. I think it's going to help a lot of people and motivate a lot of people as well. Thank you. That is. Yeah, I know. I thank you. I know it's motivated me. I know I sat up all night listening to your first one the other day. So. Oh my God. I'm so glad. Very exciting. Oh <laughs> 3.30 God. in the morning. Nobody was... listens to this. <laughs> like, oh, well, I don't really care because <laughs> I want to know this stuff anyway. So at least if someone yeah. listens to it and likes it, then we're doing something right and it's given us something to yeah. do. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, Jess. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. Thank and you so yeah, much for having me. <laughs> Loved it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.